It is the best-selling book in history. No volume ever written has been more loved and quoted. And its words, sometimes simple and sometimes mysterious, should always be studied carefully. It is the Bible, the Word of God. Welcome to Bible Answers Live, providing accurate and practical answers to all your Bible questions. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. To receive any of the Bible resources mentioned in this broadcast, call 800-835-6747. Once again, that's 800-835-6747. Now, here's your host from Amazing Facts International, Pastor Doug Batchelor. Hello, friends. Would you like to hear an amazing fact? In 2018, China celebrated the opening of the Hong Kong Zhuhai Macau Bridge. The bridge and tunnel linking Hong Kong to mainland China via Macau, it opened in 2018. It now claims the title as the world's longest sea bridge. The vast structure stretches more than 34 uh, miles through the Pearl River, River Delta, is going to be servicing 11 cities around the bay that are home to a combined 68 million people. Because it's such a busy shipping area, a section of the Colossal Bridge plunges underwater, turning into a four-mile-long tunnel via two man-made islands. The structure is an unparalleled engineering feat, 20 times the length of the Golden Gate Bridge. Builders used about 1 million cubic yards of cement to help withstand earthquakes and the seasonal typhoons that often tear through the region. The Mammoth Project began in 2009 Yet because of delays and safety concerns, 19 men died during the construction. It took nearly 10 years to complete at an estimated $20 billion. Mankind has often paid dearly to build bridges between cities, but God paid even more to build a bridge between heaven and earth. Stay with us, friends. We're going to learn more on this edition of Bible Answers Live. You're listening to Bible Answers Live, accurate and practical answers to your Bible questions. Welcome, listening friend, to Bible Answers Live. And if you have any Bible questions, we'd invite you to give us a call. It is a free phone call. If you want to call in with your Bible question or questions about living the Christian life, we will search the Word together. My name is Doug Batchelor. My name is John Ross, and Pastor Doug, we also want to welcome those who are joining us on Facebook this evening. We know we have folks who tune in around the world and uh, if you've never joined us on Facebook uh, you're welcome to do so it's at the Doug Batchelor Facebook page and also at the Amazing Facts Facebook page so you can just uh, join us here and see what's happening in the studio and participate in the program well let's start the program with prayer dear father once again we thank you that we have this opportunity to study the Bible and uh, Lord we ask for your guidance we pray for the Holy Spirit to be with us here in uh, Sacramento but also around the world for those who are listening and lead us Lord into a clearer and fuller understanding of your word and your will for we ask this in Jesus name Amen. Amen. Pastor Doug, you opened the program by talking about a very, very long bridge, actually the longest sea bridge uh, in the world. Now, I know you have and I have. We've driven on some rather long bridges in different places around the world. But to have a bridge that long, not only is it above water, but then it plunges into a tunnel that actually goes under the water. It's quite an incredible feat. That's amazing. You know, it's easy to see that the Chinese built a wall 1,500 miles long. Uh, you know, what, 
1,500 years ago. <laughs> they, they like building colossal projects like the Three Gorges Dam. Actually, the longest bridge in the world is also in China. It's 102 miles long, but it's over fresh water. And uh, it's, you know, kind of a state, it's got you know, pylons and it's pretty even. Reminds me of the bridge between uh, the Florida Keys and Key West. Yeah, just to build this sea bridge where you've got the typhoons coming and uh, connect the mainland like that. And you just think about it, 68 million people live around that bay. Uh, that's <laughs> it's hard to comprehend when you consider like San Francisco Bay, you know, has maybe 8 million people. This is 68 million people. So it's pretty incredible. But you think about the bridges, and uh, it makes me think about uh, one of the most incredible bridges is the one that bridged heaven and earth. And that bridge was built out of a cross. God so loved the world, he sent his son to connect us and, and give us that hope, that opportunity to pass from this life into heaven and into eternity. And we have a free offer tonight, friends. If you've not made that decision to accept that gift of everlasting life and the new heart that Jesus offers, we'd like you to take advantage of our offer tonight. The book again is called The High Cost of the Cross. And we want to send this to anyone who'd call and ask. The number is 800-835-6747. And tonight you want to be sure to call that uh, resource number, 800-835-6747. Ask for the book. It's our free offer. It's called The High Cost of the Cross. And we'll send this to anyone who calls and asks. We're going to go to our first caller this evening. We have Dennis, who is listening in uh, Arizona. Dennis, welcome to the program. Thank you. Um, good evening. Evening. Uh, my question is, uh, what about the people who have never heard about the... Oops, I think we lost Dennis there. Uh, Dennis, if you're listening, it looks like we might have had a little bit of a computer glitch, and it uh, looked like the call dropped off there for a second. I think the, the screener had actually typed out the call and what Dennis was asking. I trust he's still listening. What about all the people in the world who had not heard about Jesus? Does that mean they're all automatically lost? That's a very good question. You've got to answer it carefully because, first of all, it tells us, Peter tells us in the book of Acts, I think it's chapter 4, that there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. So let's make it clear right at the beginning. If anybody's saved, they're going to be in heaven because of Jesus. But can a Christian then say all those millions of people that may have lived in you know, Australia or Africa or North America. That, or even the masses in China that we're talking about. Yeah, that never heard about Jesus for thousands of years, that all of them are lost. I think you've got to be very careful not to say that because... You know, Jesus does say the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. They that have done good, the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil, the resurrection of damnation. Now, it's not that a person is saved by doing good. We're only saved by the grace of God. But there are people who, through their life, they have lived up to the light they had. They've walked in the voice of the Holy Spirit. We know that angels have visited people who maybe never heard the gospel before. You know, the Lord has ways of sharing the gospel and sharing himself with you. Now, let me give you some other scripture. When, uh, when Jesus began his ministry and he preached in Nazareth, he started the sermon by saying, there were many lepers in the land in the days of Elijah or Elisha, 
but none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian, meaning here he's a non-Jew, yet God works a miracle for him. And then he says there were many widows in the land in the days of Elijah, but Elijah wasn't sent to any of the Israeli widows. He was sent to a Phoenician widow. And he worked a miracle of a resurrection for her, just like uh, Elisha worked a miracle of healing from leprosy for Naaman. Jesus is saying, be careful not to say, you know, because we're Jews or because we're Christians, that God never works with or heals or saves or answers prayers of people who maybe don't know all about uh, the Lord. You've got that woman at the well in Samaria. She's a Samaritan, which, you know, the Jews had just scorned. And yet Jesus revealed to her he was the Messiah. And then you have the story of the Good Samaritan that uh, Christ said, this man is the one that God used to show mercy. I, I think there are people that, uh, you know, of course, truth sets people free and that people are living in darkness. And it's so urgent that missionaries go and share Jesus and salvation. Uh, but I think we need to stop short of saying, well, if people haven't heard, if they're living in one of these, what we would call a dark country, that all of them are lost for through history. And I'm reminded of a verse we find in uh, John chapter 1, verse 9, talking of Jesus, it says, He is the light which gives light to every man that cometh into the world. So uh, it seems that the Holy Spirit is speaking to the hearts of all men. Uh, how they respond to that, I think, is uh, very important. Some people are living up to all the light that they might have. If you uh, were listening to the program a few moments ago, or at least were on the phone waiting to... Uh, asked your question and then you got dropped off we want to encourage you to call back we had a little uh, software glitch but it looks like everything is up and running well we're in california they just cut the power every now and then so <laughs> we're not we get sure used to that right <laughs> you were without power for uh, i was several days actually yeah more than uh, once if you have a bible question again the number to call is uh 800-463-7297 and uh, that'll get your call into the program and uh, we'll try and get your uh, question on tonight's program. You know, I did see one of the callers that had called in. They typed out a brief question. They had a question on the book of Ezra, chapter 2, verse 13. It's an interesting verse, and it says, The people of Adonikam, 666. Now, I'm just speculating. The person calling in with a question is thinking, Well, that's interesting. 666. Uh, you don't see that number too often in the Bible. We know that number appears in Revelation as an identifying number for the Antichrist beast power. And maybe they're asking, hmm, here's another example of 666. What does that mean? Well, I could only speculate. First of all, I, I think we've got to be careful not to read too much in it, because if you give enough random numbers, you're going to come up with 666. You look, that number is surrounded by a lot of other numbers, and it's numbering people that had come back with Ezra to Jerusalem. So it says the, the family of Adonikam. And the word Adonikam, it's similar to the Hebrew name for God, Ad, Adonai. This, there are 666. Uh, so, you know, if you're at a football stadium and all the seats are numbered, one of those seats is going to be 666. It doesn't mean you've got the mark of the beast if you sit in that seat. You know, the name uh, Adonikam, which uh, was sort of the leader of this group that came uh, the name literally means, my Lord is risen. I was just looking at the uh, translation there in Strong's. That is an interesting name that you find in the Old Testament, my Lord is risen. Yeah, that is something. Sort of an allusion to uh, Christ being risen from the dead. That's, you know, what the disciples said. 
All right, we're ready for our next caller. We have Becky listening in Michigan. Uh, Becky, welcome to the program. Hello, Pastor Doug. How are you? Good, Becky. Thank you for calling. Um, From a biblical point, what is persecution? What do you do about it? Well, Jesus says in the Beatitudes, uh, pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you, that you might be the children of your Father in heaven, who sends the sunshine and the rain on the just and the unjust. Now, that's easier said than done. But, you know, it's hard to be angry at people when you're praying for them. If you're a believer and you're being persecuted for righteousness sake, Jesus tells us in the Beatitudes, rejoice because they persecuted the prophets before you. If you keep in mind that, you know, lost people, hopefully it's, it's not safe people that are persecuting you, but if, if people are lost, they're going to act lost. Christians aren't just to love the saved. Jesus said, you've got to love the lost, even if they're mean. And he even said, you need to love your enemy. And that's like, again, again, I'm saying that's easier said than done. Uh, you know, I, like everyone else, I've had people that have said and done some pretty unkind things. And, and the Lord convicts me instead of uh, conjuring terrible scenarios that might happen to them, I need to pray for them and their salvation. And you can only do that with the, uh, the grace of God. You know, we do have a book that uh, deals with the subject, and I think you'll find this encouraging, Becky. If you'd call and ask, it's called The Brook Dried Up. The Brook Dried Up, and then there's a sub-question that says, uh, why do Christians suffer? And it actually deals with your very question of what happens when one faces trials and difficulties or is being persecuted by someone else. And, of course, it builds on the story of Elijah who faced persecution. We'll be happy to send that to you. All you'll have to do, Becky, is just call our resource line, and that number is 800-835-6747. And again, ask for the book, When the Brook Dried Up. And we'll be happy to send it to anyone who calls and asks, anyone who needs encouragement if you're going through some trials. That is a great book. If you have a Bible question, our phone line here to the studio is 800-463-7297. I'm going to say it again, so if you've got a pencil or pen, you're ready to write it down, 800-463-7297 with your Bible question. If you don't get through right away, don't give up. Keep calling, and uh, you'll get onto the program this evening. You're listening to Bible Answers Live. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific Time. Call us at 1-800-GOD-SAYS. The Jews are some of the most unique and gifted people in the world. And even though Judaism is one of the smallest religions, about 16 million globally, they still manage to have a profound impact on history wherever they go. Yet even though most of the Bible was written by Jews and Jesus himself was Jewish, the Jewish people can be among the most resistant to the Christian religion. Well, friends, this is why Amazing Facts has recently produced a fascinating three-part DVD series called Is Jesus Kosher for Jews? In these new programs, Steve Wolberg, Jeff Zerminsky, and myself, all who share Jewish background, relate our personal miraculous journeys of faith in a winsome way. And we consider together the controversial question, are Jesus and Judaism compatible? You will personally be inspired by these life-changing stories. Call today, 800-538-7275 or visit afbookstore.com. Did you know Amazing Facts has a free Bible school that you can do from the comfort of your own home? 
It includes 27 beautifully illustrated study lessons to aid in your study of God's Word. Sign up today for this free Bible study course by calling 1-844-215-7000. That's 1-844-215-7000. You're listening to Bible Answers Live. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific Time. Call us at 1-800-GOD-SAYS. Next caller that we have is uh, Dan in Southwest uh, Oklahoma. Dan, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Well, the fellow that called in wanting to know what would happen to uh, the people that uh, hadn't heard the gospel. Yes. Well, if you look in Revelation fourteen six, it says, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. So everyone will hear the gospel, so they will have no excuse. Where Jesus says in Matthew 24, that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations. Yeah. Now, of course, I, th- I think the person was asking, what about before the gospel is preached? You know, let's suppose you go back 200 years and you say, you know, what about people that were living in the Brazilian jungle that maybe never heard about Jesus? Are they all automatically lost? And so I was saying that uh, it's very important. Most people without God are lost, but it was... Uh, We've got to stop short of saying that, you know, God is not able to save them through some other means besides a human preacher. God can speak to people through angels and through his spirit, and we've got to be careful not to judge. But I uh, appreciate your, your question, your comment, Dennis. Uh, Revelation fourteen six is a great uh, passage. Okay, we've got Juan listening in Washington. Juan, welcome to the program. Yes, sir. Uh, and your question. When Jesus was a baby, uh, there was a decree put by the king to murder all the babies. Yes. How come John the Baptist wasn't persecuted or the Bible doesn't say anything about him? Well, because John the Baptist uh, wasn't necessarily born in Bethlehem. King Herod, when he interviewed the wise men, uh, they said, you know, we've been guided by the star to Jerusalem. And then Herod interviews the, um, the priest and says, where is the Messiah supposed to come from? And they quoted the prophecy out of Bethlehem. So he didn't kill all the babies throughout Jerusalem or Judea. He just killed the babies two years old and under, male babies, around uh, Bethlehem. So John the Baptist, uh, I don't think we read anywhere, he b- was born or lived in Bethlehem. Thank you so much, Pastor. All right. He, good question. Thank you so much. You know, one of the interesting things about that uh, is that's the third time that the devil tried to wipe out Jesus by murdering baby boys. Uh, in Egypt, he thought a Savior was coming. And so uh, they were trying to exterminate all of the Hebrew children. Back when uh, King, uh, well, during the time of uh, Ahab, uh, the the um, daughter of Ahab, Athaliah, killed all of the descendants of David. She tried. She missed one. Uh, even the babies, because they, you know, the devil heard the Messiah was going to come through the line of David, but uh, they missed Joash. Going into Bethlehem and killing the baby boys, it's like the third time in history the devil tried to prevent the Savior from coming by annihilating the baby boys. And then, by the way, then you go to Revelation and a dragon's trying to devour 
a woman bringing forth a baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Next caller that we have is, uh, looks like we've got uh, Abraham listening from San Antonio, Texas. Abraham, welcome to the program. Abraham, you're on the air. Abraham, can you hear us? Sometimes I got the mute on. All right, we might go back to him here in just a second. Let's see, we got Dan in South Carolina. Dan, welcome to the program. You're on the air. Hi, good evening. Evening. Um, I've had a question for a long time. When did the original requirement uh, come from that there had to be blood sacrifice for sin uh, in the Old Testament? I know that the, through you know Moses and the requirement for for that, but even before then, when when did that requirement? The the specific command is is not seen, but you see it by circumstantial evidence that it must have been given to Adam. I think Revelation talks about the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. When Adam and Eve sinned, they tried to cover their their nakedness with fig leaves, and God said that won't work, and then it says God gave them skins. Now, in order to get skin, an animal had to die. So we believe that the Lord established a sacrificial system way back there in the Garden of Eden, and another reason is the children of Adam and Eve, like Abel, he brought a lamb sacrifice and God accepted his sacrifice. So Adam must have been instructed. And then, of course, Abraham offered sacrifice and, and all the patriarchs, it talks about them. And, of course, you find that in Genesis chapter 4, and it talks about verse 4, which says, Abel brought the firstborn of his flocks and offered that as a sacrifice. And then there's also a reference uh, that some have made, and it makes sense, um, after Adam and Eve sinned, uh, first of all, they tried to hide their nakedness with fig leaves, but then the Lord made coats of, of skin to cover them. So some have suggested maybe at that point we had the first animal sacrifice. Yeah. And then we even certainly when you get to the story of Noah, Noah's told to take the clean animals, and that would mean uh, not only clean for food, but clean for sacrifice by sevens. And the first thing Noah does after the ark safely lands is he offers a sacrifice to the Lord. You know, when you see it in the Garden of Eden, um, you don't actually have a record of where God commands it, but you can see the the um, evidence of it there. And then, of course, Abel and onward. Hope that helps, Dan. Appreciate your, your question. We're going to go back to uh, Abraham in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, Abraham, you on the air? Yes. Uh, can you hear me? We can. All right. Sounds good. Good evening, Pastor uh, Bachelor. Uh, my question is, did uh, God replace the Jewish people with the Gentile church? Well, no. What God did is he, he grafted believers who are Gentiles into the Jewish church. It's a very different thing than replacement theology. Uh, Paul says, he that is Christ's is Abraham's seed, Jew or Gentile. So he's not disqualifying the Jews because Paul then says salvation comes to the Jew first, then also the Gentile. You know, I do think that there's a pretty strong case that every Gentile who becomes a Christian technically becomes at least a spiritual Jew because, you know, the Bible tells us many will come from the East and the West, meaning the Gentiles, and sit down in the kingdom with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so believers, it's no longer physical circumcision. Paul says it's circumcision of the heart. Paul's actually quoting 
Moses is the first one to use the expression circumcision of the heart because he knew that was the important thing. God does not save anybody based on their bloodline. Uh, you know, you see great patriarchs in the Bible, Abraham, Adam and Eve, you know, you had good son or bad son. David had some good kids and some bad kids. So uh, no one was saved by bloodline. The Bible says the father is not saved for the son or the son for the father. Uh, everyone has to have a personal relationship with the Lord. But he did commit to the Jewish nation the oracles of God. And that's in Romans somewhere. I can't remember. We also have a reference in Romans chapter 11, verse uh, 17. I think that's the reference you have, Pastor Doug, where it says, And if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became partakers of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Now, of course, Paul is writing here to the Gentiles and says that they are the ones who are grafted in. And then he goes on to sp explain how some of the branches were cut off, meaning the Jews who rejected the Messiah, who rejected Christ. So uh, you have this grafting in. Uh, if you have belief, then you Abraham seed heirs according to the promise. Yep. All right. Well, by the way, I just thought, Pastor Doug, you've got a sermon series. I think it's available on uh, YouTube where uh, you talk about spiritual Israel. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I did a, a series with Steve Wolberg and uh, Jeff Zerminski talking about uh, is, it, uh, is it kosher for a Jew to be a Christian? Yes. <laughs> or was Jesus kosher for the Jews? They can see that online. We carried it Amazing Facts. We also have that sermon book called Spiritual Israel that they can get by calling in or find it online. If you'd like to receive the book, the number to call is 800-835-6747. That is the resource phone line. And again, you can ask for the book called Spiritual Israel, and uh, we'll be happy to send that out to anyone who calls and asks. And uh, let's see, we have Bill listening from Sacramento. Bill, we have uh, about a, a one minute before the break. Bill, and your question? Hello? Yes, you're on the air. Okay, I had a question about Samson. I was just concerned. I was wondering if you could consider his death a justified suicide. Well, I, I don't know. It, it Technically, you could argue it was a suicide, but Samson knew they brought him into the Temple of Dagon. They were probably going to kill him that day. They were making sport of him. He basically laid his life down. You, you know, if you see a soldier in a battle that is laying his life down to save other soldiers. Well, if, if he jumps on a hand grenade to save his friends, is it a suicide? You could say it is, but it's also really a sacrifice. Samson was giving himself uh, to save God's people from their enemies. When he pushed down the building, he knew the Philistines had been oppressing his people. He basically gave his life to give one final stroke to the enemy. Yes, that's how I feel as well. I feel like he was just a chosen vessel of God. Yeah, well, you know, of course, he made Samson made a lot of problems misusing the gifts that God had given him. But at the end, he, of course, repented and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in Hebrews chapter 11, Samson is mentioned as listed among the saved. So, Bill, we think Samson's going to be in the kingdom. He repented of his sin. He wept. Hey, friends, we're taking a brief break. We do have lines open. Call. Second half is sometimes the best. 800-463-7297. Be right back. Stay tuned. Bible Answers Live will return shortly. A beast, a dragon, and a woman. They sound like the characters in a fairy tale, but nothing could be further from the truth. These three symbolic end-time players 
are actually found in the book of Revelation, whose predictions about the last days are not exactly a bedtime story. But there is a book called The Beast, the Dragon, and the Woman, and it's a daring and concise overview of the Bible's most compelling and perplexing end-time players, and it tells about the struggle between truth and error. You'll even find out the part that America plays in these last days. If you want to be ready for the earth-shaking events yet to come, then make sure and get your copy of The Beast, the Dragon, and the Woman today. To order your copy of The Beast, the Dragon, and the Woman, call 800-538-7275 or visit afbookstore.com. Don't be caught unprepared for the final events of Bible prophecy. An international pandemic killing thousands, riots ripping communities apart, a global economic implosion. Many are wondering, is this the end of the world? Few question the military, economic, and technological might of the United States. So if we really are facing the last days, if these worldwide catastrophes are really harbingers of the end, shouldn't we expect the United States to play a key role in the final events of Bible prophecy? The book of Revelation provides unmistakable clues. And to help you understand them, Amazing Facts is releasing America in Bible Prophecy. It's going to take you step by step in identifying the global forces at work in these last days. You might be surprised what the Bible really says. You owe it to yourself to find out. So get yourself a copy of America in Bible Prophecy. You're listening to Bible Answers Live, where every question answered provides a clearer picture of God and His plan to save you. So what are you waiting for? Get practical answers about the good book for a better life today. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific Time. To receive any of the Bible resources mentioned in this evening's program, call 800-835-6747. Once again, that's 800-835-6747. Now, let's rejoin our hosts for more Bible Answers Live. Welcome back, listening friends to Bible Answers Live. And if you've uh, ever wanted to ask a Bible question, maybe you're embarrassed, you think, oh, this is silly. Don't be surprised, friends. A lot of people out there are probably having the same question in their mind, so don't be bashful. Give us a call. Lines are open, 800-463-7297. We welcome any questions about the Bible, the Word of God, or living the Christian life. I am Doug Batchelor. My name is John Ross, and our next call is calling from Folsom, Sacramento, actually from Folsom near Sacramento. Uh, caller, you on the air. Calling from Folsom, Sacramento. Can you hear us? You're on the air. Hello? Yeah. Welcome. Oh. Um, hi. I am uh, wanted to ask real quick, because I just found your station. I've never called before. Um, what do you do, or can you give me scripture, uh, when your husband and son um, aren't walking with uh, like walking the way they're supposed to be walking. Um, maybe you could give me some scripture, uh, you know, as far as, you know, they are 
um, have made a, a vow to, you know, God, but they, you know, they've, they've accepted him as their savior, but how, I think your screener put it best. Like she, she did it for me. So like, can you read that yeah. and figure out what I'm trying to say? <laughs> so they, you know, they may not, they don't read their Bible or go to church, but they, they say they're Christians. And so how can you as a wife and mother try to encourage them? Yeah. You know, one verse comes to mind is, well, let me just tell you, there's three things that you can do for those you love, you want to reach. And there, there's only three things, but they're three powerful things. One is, if they're open, share information. That could be in the form of a Bible study, a Christian book, uh, a website, uh, you know, a DVD, or something that has spiritual information that they'll listen to or look at that will encourage them. So if they're open, say, you need to watch this. And people are often moved by testimonies or uh, Bible studies. After you do that, whether they'll accept that or not, you do your best. Then the other thing is you pray. And prayer is, of course, very powerful. Uh, in a lot of examples of intercessory prayer in the Bible, you need to do that persistently. I guess that's the fourth thing is do all these things persistently. And the third thing would be be an example uh, you witness with your life. Now, here's a verse for you in 1 Peter chapter 3. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that if any does not obey the word, they can, without a word, be won by the conduct of the wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. You know, that is, you know, really addressing a husband-wife relationship, but it's basically saying through your example, is another powerful witness that maybe pastor ross has some other ideas but you know i'm always encouraged when we have these kind of questions i think of a few examples that i know of where a wife prayed fervently for a husband for many years and it seemed like it uh, he just wasn't responding but just by example of being a true godly woman uh, near the end of his life he actually uh, gave his life fully to the lord he was actually baptized and i remember at his baptism, he gave the testimony and he said, uh, the reason I'm getting baptized today is because of the faithful examples given by my wife. And of course, she was just thrilled that he had find that, finally made that decision. But uh, just her faithfulness, even though it, sometimes it was difficult, it eventually paid off. So you never know. That's right. Got to be patient. Oh, boy, am I 20 years patient. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm doing all three of those things you all said. And I... And making sure that I am representing the integrity, the character, and all of those things that go along with being that example, like you had mentioned, um, because I'm doing it out of the Lord, what he says in that scripture, what you said, and also as an example to them, well, my husband, so what I expect from him, I'm also doing. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not saying, oh, well, you should do this and do this and do this, but I'm not doing. And I'm a wife that never nags. I never say anything. Well, that's a good example. Live your faith. I just kind of let him do what he wants. But, I mean, you know what I'm saying. Within reason, I say right. That. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Don't be afraid every now and then. You've got a couple of extremes. You've got one extreme of the wife that uh, nags, and that actually can drive a man or, you know, a wife nagged by her husband. You can drive them away. Then you can be so um, tolerant 
that they're almost surprised by um, you're not having any expectations. And so, you know, every now and then, if the door opens, you, you might want to say, you know, just want you to know, as you know, it would mean so much to me if you'd go to church with me, or we've got this special, you know, program happening, or, or I read this and, uh, you know, just say, you, this really inspired me, you might like it. So, you know, just uh, every now and then, a gentle reminder, what they probably already know is, I think, very helpful. We have Laura listening in uh, Maryland. Uh, Laura, welcome to the program. Hi. 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 Thanks for calling. No problem. I have a question. Mm-hmm. So um, for infants um, to toddler age, those, you know, the young children, what does the Bible say about their faith as far as salvation? I know there are people who say that, you know, it's based off of the salvation or the, the lives of the parents. But I just wanted to know, what does the Bible say about their salvation? If they die, um, you know, unfortunately at an early age, maybe three years old, two years old, so innocent. Yeah, you know, that is a great question. It's also, in a way, a tough question. I think it's in, Pastor Ross, is it First Corinthians 7, where it says that the children are sanctified by the believing parent? And you might look there for me. And that's one verse. Now, it, the Bible's pretty clear that children before the age of accountability, now, and the Bible doesn't say, well, when they reach 12, because the age of accountability is determined by their understanding, and that may vary from child to child. I think we all know there's, you know, some people, because it may be a mental challenge, they act like children in their 30s. They just never grow up, and, you know, God probably treats them, if they've got some kind of handicap, treats them like children. So if, if a child dies before the age of accountability, they're not punished for the sins they may commit because they're doing it just by nature. They may not know the consequences. Uh, the Bible says sin is knowing to do good and not doing it. Yeah, First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14. So that's the reference there. And then one other I wanted to add, Pastor Doug, you know, we have that passage in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 16, that actually was quoted um, with reference to the destruction of the little baby boys at the time of Christ's birth. And it talks about, um, it's actually quoted in the Old Testament prophecy in Jeremiah 31, 16, that says, uh, the children shall return from the land of the enemy. So you have a reference there to the resurrection for uh, all of those little babies that were, were killed. So that does also give us the understanding that before the age of accountability, based upon the parents, there is hope um, at the resurrection for them. And there is one. Okay, so. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, no, I was just clarifying. So it, um, so it has to do with the age of, if they don't reach the age of accountability and also the parents. Yes, if I understood correctly. Yes, yeah. And there is one verse, someone might want to know then, does that mean that, I mean, child mortality is the highest of any group. Does that mean every child who dies before the age of accountability around the world throughout history automatically is in heaven? You know, a lot of scholars stop short of that. They definitely won't be punished. But it's like in the book of Job, I think it's in chapter 3, he talks about He's cursing the day of his birth. He said, might I be like a child, a stillborn infant that had not been. You know, there may be some that will be as though they had not been. We definitely know they're not being punished. But theoretically, if every child of every human that dies prior to the age of accountability is automatically in heaven, it would it would be a, a, a nursery. So um, we don't know. It, we all we know is that the uh, Bible is clear that uh, you know they're not going to be punished uh, before they know. 
Anyway, hope that helps a little bit, Laura. That's a great question, a tough question, too. Next caller that we have is calling from New Jersey. We have uh, Lenny. Lenny, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm okay. And your question? Yeah, my question is, um, based on the Sabbath school lesson, um, we saw that Nehemiah, when he, was, when he went back to Jerusalem, to rebuild a wall, and they were being opposed by the people, the surrounding nation, they were, he, he asked the builders to, to carry a sword. So they were working with a sword in one hand, and they were working with the other hand. Now, I, wanted to, I want to know if that was a good thing, because they were doing God's work. So why didn't he just trust in God to take care of them? And if, if that is a good thing, then as Christians today, we go out sometimes to witness and to do the Lord's work. So should we carry swords too or, or some kind of weapon to protect ourselves? No. Well, there's two different things. If you're engaged in a war, and this is talking about Nehemiah, they were going to be attacked by their, their neighbors, and their only recourse was self-defense as a nation. Uh, you know, all of us cheer when we think about David going to fight against Goliath. We're all glad that David took a sling, and then later he took Goliath's sword. Um, David didn't go into battle and say, I'm just going to go, you know, quote scripture to Goliath. He, he went in there and he said, you know, I got to fight with a giant. I need a weapon. He trusted the Lord, but he used a weapon. Now, if you're out doing mission work, that's where I think you pray and you say, Lord, send angels to guard me because you certainly want to, wouldn't want to be out doing God's work in that way. That's a little different than when Nehemiah and the soldiers were building the wall. So if you're out doing Christian mission work, I think a lot of missionaries have just uh, trusted in the Lord. There's a, a really incredible book called Through the Gates of Splendor by Elizabeth Elliot. She talks about her husband that was killed as a missionary because he refused to use a weapon he had. They were in the jungle, so he had a weapon because, you know, there's jungle animals. But he refused to use the weapon to save himself against the Aka Indians. And later his wife ended up converting their murderers. The uh, disciples said, Lord, you know, we've got two swords. And he said, oh, you don't get the point. And Peter took out the sword to defend Jesus. And Jesus said, put up your sword. He that lives by the sword will die by the sword. So if you're out doing Christian mission work, you know, it, you want to take, uh, you want to be cautious. <laughs> you're not being reckless and walking right into the mouth of the lion. But uh, I, I don't think... You want to be involved doing mission work if you got to carry a forty-five. Mm -hmm. You got to go find somewhere else <laughs> to do mission. You work. know, Pastor, if I remember that story correctly that you just mentioned, I think the son of the missionary that was killed, he ended up baptizing the one who killed his father. Yeah, he came back. Incredible story. Yeah. yeah. Next caller that we have is Donna, listening from Maryland. Donna, welcome to the program. Hello. Hi, Pastor Doug. Hi. And your question? How are you? Hi. My question, I'm doing well, thank you. Um, I need your help. My boyfriend and I made the decision to abstain from sex before marriage. And at this point, he is um, seeing it as a problem. And I was wondering what the Bible, can you get, help me with scripture? Um, Absolutely. In the Bible, what the Bible, what does the Bible have to say about abstaining from marriage? I mean, abstaining from sex before marriage. Yeah, well, the the whole idea of the Bible is pretty clear that the marriage was consummated by the right for a man and woman to be intimate. You've got the wedding of Jacob, 
where it wasn't until, you know, the end of the marriage that he went into the tent. He, well, he thought it was a tent of Rachel. It was Leah. <laughs> but anyway, that that's when it was actually consummated. And there's a, the book of Hosea talks about this. And Jesus said that the only grounds for divorce is fornication. That's sex outside of marriage with someone other than the person you're committed to. If you read in Acts 15, when the disciples went out preaching to the, the Gentiles, they said, you, we need to tell them to abstain from fornication. Fornication meant sexual activity outside of the marriage covenant. Now, of course, you know, one of the reasons for that is very practical. The, the reason for a husband and wife to be able to enjoy that is they're going to procreate. In many cases, they're going to have children. Until that covenant is made and ma the marriage ceremony is the sealing of that covenant, uh, men and women need to keep themselves pure. And I'm not at all surprised that, you know, a lot of young men try and talk their girlfriends into saying, oh, well, we're already committed in our hearts. So we're married in our hearts before God. And I've, I've heard that so many times, I can't believe it. So it must be okay. And then you know what? They break up before the wedding and then the, the girl feels violated. She says, why did I fall for that? Be true, Donna, and uh, you'll be thankful. Now we've got a book we can offer you on that called Marriage, Divorce, and Remarriage. And it does give scripture on the subject of uh, sex and faithfulness. Hey, if you'd like to receive the book, we'll be happy to send it to anyone who calls and asks. The number is 800-835-6747. And the book is called Marriage, Divorce, and Remarriage. Got some practical biblical principles related to that subject. We'll be happy to send it to anyone. And, you know, Pastor Ross, it just, I just want to say a word more because we don't get this question often, but it is such an epidemic problem in our society that the media makes sex look like shaking hands with someone you meet. Uh, it used to be, you know, just something that was very sacred, you know, a, a right that was restricted to the marriage. But it's, it's, I can understand why young people are confused. There is an ever-growing number of young people just living together without even getting married. And they figure that, well, I need to get to know the person. And their idea of getting to know the person is to get to know the person physically and intimately. And I heard a pastor say one time, if you want to find out if you're compatible with somebody... Uh, that usually isn't because you share a bedroom. Try sharing a checkbook. You'll find out really quick if you're compatible. <laughs> and you s the plumbing usually works, friends. Don't, you don't have to pre-try the plumbing. You're listening to Bible Answers Live. This broadcast is a previously recorded episode. If you'd like answers to your Bible-related questions on the air, please call us next Sunday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Pacific Time. Call us at 1-800-GOD-SAYS. Do you feel as though your world is spiraling out of control? Or perhaps new life challenges are frightening you more than they should? Are you sinking while you're thinking? Excessive worry can consume you eating you from the inside out, resulting in sickness, insomnia, and paralyzing fear. It can also damage relationships, ruin opportunities, and yes, diminish your witness for the gospel. Worry affects everybody differently, but it's all driven by fear. So how can you overcome a world full of reasons to be anxious? I'd like to recommend for you my new book, Finding Peace in a World of Worry. You'll discover a lifeline to victory, a place where you can cast your cares upon Christ and experience a serenity 
that isn't subject to your circumstances. Get your copy of Pastor Doug's Finding Peace in a World of Worry today. Call 800-538-7275 or visit afbookstore.com. For life-changing Christian resources, visit afbookstore.com or call 1-800-538-7275. All right, next caller that we have is Eddie listening from uh, Loma Linda. Eddie, welcome to the program. Good evening, Pastor Doug. Evening. Quick question from uh, Joshua seven twenty four. Okay, I'm going there right now. What is your question about that? It says that Joshua and all Israel took Achan, his sons and his daughters, and they stoned him. And then Deuteronomy twenty four sixteen says, Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, ah. nor shall children be put to death for their fathers. Correct. Um, you're wondering why in the world would his family be executed uh, if he's the one that stole? Well, you'll read that when he finally confessed his sin, they went and they found he had hidden it underneath the carpet. In his tent, yeah. The family, yeah, the family was an accessory. They knew. And when Joshua gave everybody the call and said, look, someone's been stealing, who is it? Family had an opportunity to, to confess and they didn't. They stood behind their father. They all maintained the covering up until they were exposed. It is a very serious, uh, it's a very serious thing. You know, uh, it is true that children are not responsible for the sins of the parents. But if uh, if a, a parent brings them in on the crime and they become accessories, then they're responsible. And it doesn't say how old his sons and daughters were. It doesn't. That's, you know, that's they may correct. have been adult children. Hey, thank you. Appreciate that. And, you know, there's another question I often get, and maybe I shouldn't be putting in my own questions, but um, the sons of Saul were killed for the sin of their father, and, and David had them hung. And it's probably because they were accessories of Saul or encouraging Saul to kill the Gibeonites. Anyway, yeah, otherwise the children are innocent. All right, we're going to go to our next caller, and uh, we've got Dottie listening in Sacramento. Dottie, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? Doing good. Thanks for calling. I'm nervous because I've never done this before, but I have a question and I've been praying about it. Um, I don't know why it's so important to me, but when I don't know something, I'm not satisfied until I have the answer. Um, okay, I was told someone believes that... Um, what does the Bible say about the sinners when they die? Because he believes that when Jesus comes back, you know, and he takes his people back, that the sinners stay behind, but eventually they will go to heaven as well because they will eventually recognize that God is a savior. And he just believes that. And I, and I say, well, show me in the Bible, but he can't pinpoint. I mean, he gives me scriptures, but it doesn't, I've always read in the Bible where, where they perish. And so I'm a little confused. Well, let me let me give you some verses. I, I'm glad you called. Don't be nervous. And let me give you a few verses. And Pastor Ross might help me with this. Uh, the Bible tells us in the second book of Thessalonians, and it says, when the Lord Jesus is revealed, this is verse seven, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those that know not God, who do not obey the gospel of our Lord. Um, then you go to Second Peter chapter 3, and it says that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, 
Uh, where's the one, uh, Pastor Ross, that says the destroyed by the brightness of his coming? You Second Thessalonians, talking about the, uh, the Antichrist. I'll, I'll look that one up. But let me just add another one um, before I forget. It's Revelation chapter 20, verse 13. Uh, to me, this seems pretty clear. It says, anyone that was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So we know the devil and his angels were there, but also those who are not found written in the book of life. Well, the devil's not written in the book of life, but also the unbeliever, uh, those who are in rebellion against God. Ultimately, the Bible says they are consumed uh, in this lake of fire. Yeah. So and then the verse I was going to read is in Second Peter chapter 3 where he says the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up when the Lord comes. And this is first uh, Thessalonians chapter four. It says the dead in Christ rise. And so we are caught up to meet them in the air. And then it tells us that the wicked are destroyed by the brightness of his coming. Yeah, the verse you're referring to uh, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, it says that when the Lord comes, the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and will destroy with the brightness of his coming. So it's referring to the wicked, uh, the lawless one, uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, 8. There's a parable of the, uh, the, the wheat and the tares where God says he'll gather the wicked together and cast them into a furnace of fire. So a person really, ha and then uh, you get Matthew 25. He says, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And so the Lord is really, really clear in the Bible that the wicked go to the lake of fire. Now, some people under misunderstand what that lake of fire is. It, it, uh, it isn't burning yet. That's at the end of the world. And everyone is punished according to what they deserve. And they're consumed. The Bible says they're devoured. They perish. Uh, they don't start burning for billions of years, as some have taught. You know, we do have a book talking about the second coming of Christ. It talks about what happens to the righteous as well as the wicked. It's called Anything But Secret. We'll be happy to send this to you, Dottie, or anyone that's listening wanting to learn more about the second coming of Christ. The number to call is 800-835-6747. And again, just ask for the book. We'll be happy to send it to you. It's called Anything But Secret. I think we have time for at least one more caller. Let's go to um, California. We've got uh, Korean, I guess is uh, probably not pronouncing your name correctly, but uh, welcome to the program. Thank you. Could you explain, please, Isaiah 65, 17 to 25, 20, 17 to 20? All right. We'll do our best. It's uh, several verses. Isaiah 65, and you said start with verse 17. I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former will not be remembered or come into mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy, and I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping will no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. No more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. For the child will die a hundred years old. Now, that's the verse where people often get hung up. What? The child will die a hundred years old? That word actually there can be translated, the child shall cease a hundred years old. What that means is a child does not even stop being a child until a hundred. Because the previous verses are talking about how everyone lives forever. But the sinner being a hundred years old will be accursed. In other words, even after a hundred years, sinners are still forever accursed. And then it says they'll build houses and inhabit them. They're planting vineyards and eating the fruit of them. It's not saying children die at 100 years old. 
It's saying children don't even stop being children. They grow more slowly. Proof for that would be found in the early chapters of Genesis where it says that some of the patriarchs didn't even get married till they were over 100. They, they matured more slowly. And when you live forever, you don't have to just be, you know, like a puppy for six weeks and then you're a dog. They grow more slowly and their childhood lasts longer. Anyway, uh, do we have, oh, we don't have time for another. We got 21 seconds. Hey friends, I got 19 seconds to tell you thank you for keeping us on the air. Uh, if you like Bible Answers Live, you want to keep us on the air, we sure would be thankful if you just click donate at our website, amazingfacts.org. God willing, we'll study his word together next week. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. We hope you understand your Bible even better than before. Bible Answers Live is produced by Amazing Facts International, a faith-based ministry located in Granite Bay, California. Do you feel as though your world is spiraling out of control? Or perhaps new life challenges are frightening you more than they should? Are you sinking while you're thinking? Excessive worry can consume you, eating you from the inside out, resulting in sickness, insomnia, and paralyzing fear. It can also damage relationships, ruin opportunities, and yes, diminish your witness for the gospel. Worry affects everybody differently, but it's all driven by fear. So how can you overcome a world full of reasons to be anxious? I'd like to recommend for you my new book, Finding Peace in a World of Worry. You'll discover a lifeline to victory, a place where you can cast your cares upon Christ and experience a serenity that isn't subject to your circumstances. Get your copy of Pastor Doug's Finding Peace in a World of Worry today. Call 800-538-7275 or visit afbookstore.com. Deep within the pages of the Bible, stories of great heroes, heroes of great deeds, great love, and great sacrifice. But behind them is another hero, hidden in plain sight amid the shadows. He was there from the beginning, and he'll be there until the end. Discover the golden thread of a Savior woven throughout the entire Bible tapestry. Shadows of Light, seeing Jesus in all the Bible. Get your copy today by calling 800-538-7275 or visit afbookstore.com. If you'd like to enhance your study of God's Word, visit our website at www.amazingfacts.org and sign up for our free Bible study course. And make sure to check out our online bookstore at afbookstore.com, which offers thousands of inspiring books, DVDs, and more to help you get the most out of God's Word. To take advantage of the offers you've heard on this broadcast, call us at 800-835-6747 or visit our website at amazingfacts.org. Did you enjoy this program? Make sure to tell your family and friends. Tune in next time for more Bible Answers Live. Honest and accurate answers to your Bible questions.